in the city season two we back man finally i'm so happy to be here um live from blue smoke cigar lounge in brooklyn new york i'm here your host mace ryan whatever you want to call me um i'm here with a really special guest we about to talk about something that's super passionate for me not only cigars but we also going to talk about some basketball too because i got my man brawley chisholm in the building brawley if you guys don't know brawley is uh Entering his 10th year as a member of the Harlem Globetrotters. Raleigh is from Brooklyn, and before we actually got on camera, we've been discussing, like, the intricacies of where people are from and what decides, like, where you're actually from and how you make that determination. But yeah. I'm going to let him get into that a little bit. But first of all, welcome, brother. No, thanks. First of all, congratulations. Thank this you. is epic. Congratulations, my brother. Well-deserved. For those of you that don't know, um, I recently just moved to New York. Um, we four months in. You know, I felt like this was the place to be for this podcast. And, um, you know, we're going to take it to the next level, man. I'm happy. All right. But, B, what's Yo, up, what's up? Man? Chilling, man. You know how I go. <laughs> it's good. It's good yeah. having you here. So, um, yeah. first thing I want to get into is uh, the start. Okay. So, your start. Like, where you're from or where you consider yourself from. So, your story in terms of, from a basketball standpoint, yeah. you you grew up in the Bronx or yeah. in well, Brooklyn? Well, man, like, like, like a lot of kids, man. Where we come from, like a lot of parents split up at a, at, a, at, a, at a young age, man. My mom and dad split up when I was in first grade. My mom's from Ocean Hill Projects in Brownsville. She right. got five sisters, four sisters, I'm sorry. I got five aunts. Um, and my dad's from Harlem, born in Harlem Hospital. Um, so they both met in high school. They had me. Um, they both bought a house in Brooklyn uh, when they was 25, 24 years old at a young age. Right. Um, my, mom, my mom and dad split up when I was like in first grade. Um, I went to uh, PS327 in Brownsville. Um, I've been over there before. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a little hectic. I was born in Brooklyn Hospital, lived in Brooklyn for a little bit. Um, always saw my dad on the weekend. My dad was a big, big part of my life, man. Um, a lot of sacrifices he made for me to be who I am today. Um, as well as my big mother. Big a legend in the city. Absolutely. He, he a legend. Big brawls. Everybody know who Big Brawls is in New York City. But um, um, lived in the South Bronx, man. Um, that's really where I think I was raised at. Um, as far as like, why I learned the city more. A lot of my friends in the South Bronx um, uh, played a lot of basketball in Harlem. Played for Team Rock. Uh, played for Riverside Church, the New York Gauchos, Bingo All Stars. Those was all legendary teams. Definitely all big time, all big time. So that transitions me into your basketball start. So yeah. where does that, where does that, where did that come from? Where was your father? influential in that or was yeah. it just like the neighborhood what was yeah. that i would have to say my dad man my my dad was just my dad played for riverside church growing up um uh new york city man is big for basketball it was, it was at back then in the 90s it was only two teams in new york city it was sorry for that it was only no, two good. teams in new york city uh riverside and gauchos um my dad was from harlem um with that being said he put his footprints into me and just drove me the right way in order to be on the right teams I think in life, man, you have to be in a, you have to be with the right people yeah. in order to be successful. So with that being said, my dad definitely put the ball in my crib. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Opportunity allowing to allow that to, to surface and build a foundation for that. Absolutely. So from a from from a basketball perspective, New York is known for their their parks. Mm -hmm. So everybody has an assigned park of where they 
they crafted their game or where they feel like they, you know, they got their shit off. Of. Yeah. So where where would you say is like your park of choice that you kind of like really got got? If I had to pick, man, it's not it's not even open no more. Uh, Brotherhood, the old Brotherhood, man, one six first, man. Okay. River Avenue, uh, South Bronx basketball, and it's so crazy is like. With me, man, like I had a big imagination growing up. I used to have a basketball court in my crib. Mm -hmm. Like in my little one-bedroom apartment that my dad had, I had a basketball court there. Anywhere I could play, I could play. Um, growing up on Grand Avenue in the Bronx, I had a lot of my friends, man. Um, we made imaginary baskets, bro. Like just playing. Um, uh, what else we did, man? We just played basketball whatever, wherever we could. But if I, if I had to own a park, man, it would probably be Brotherhood in the Bronx. See, now in yeah. Chicago, we didn't have... Um we didn't have a lot. We had parks, but a lot of times, like, gangs and stuff had already infiltrated that, so you yeah. couldn't play in the park. So we would have to play, like, in alleys, and people used to take the milk crates and, put them, and like, put them, put them up. up. Yeah. So them was yeah. never 10 feet, by the way. I don't know what size <laughs> it was, but they was never 10 feet. But it you know what's so like crazy? Eight. With that, like, if it was 8 feet or 11 feet, like, in my, in my park, we used to have double rims. Right. So, like, if you could shoot in the milk, if you could shoot in the milk crate, you could shoot in a real basket. That's all, I think all of that preps you to be... That's to be better. That, that, yeah, that definitely preps you to be a better player. It definitely exactly. fine tunes your skills. So like when you do get on the inside court or yeah. like where all the surroundings are perfect, like it's mad easy to get, get off. Absolutely. But um, so in that you grew up playing in in the parks. You know everybody's game gets crafted there. Mm -hmm. So there's always somebody that's super nice. Mm -hmm. So like. From every neighborhood, you usually have, like, one person that, like, who was the guy in your neighborhood where it was like, yo, he's nice? Was it you? Was it somebody um, else? Was um, it, like, somebody it, where you was just, like, it, it was a lot, right, man. It was, was a, it, was, for. it was a lot, man. Um, of course, we have the notable ones that was ranked in the nation, but but in New York City, we call it the Mecca of basketball because, like, everybody here plays basketball, man. Like, like it was from my friend Antoine, uh, my friend's Ducky, um... Friends in my in my in my close neighborhood, my close knit neighborhood, that gets you better, and then from there, that's when you go to your outs your outsourcers to, to try to try out for teams. Right. But growing up in my little neighborhood, man, my friend Daquan Gallup, um, okay. there's different people. Like those are the little people. Like I never with me, man. I always pay homage. Like I'm never gonna forget the little people, even though they're big people to me. Right. Because at the same time, that's who got you better at the same because time. Because they influence you. They Absolutely. They may influence your game. The average person, like, on, yeah. you know, that watches ESPN, they don't know these people. But at the same time, you know you know who influenced your game. And, you know, yeah. what, what You got older dudes in the block coming to the park. Well, Jay say, I know who I paid, God. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah legend. So, yeah, that's, um, that's dope. That's dope. I'm, I'm happy yeah. that you were able to get some of them names out there and people that have done really dope things and have helped cultivate or translate your game into where it is today. Absolutely. So now, after that, you know, you said you went to high school in Jersey, though, right? Yes, yeah. Okay. So, um, my mom was a, my mom was, my mom's a teacher, man. Um, okay. So, she, with that being said, who knows what her perspective was. Shout out to moms all right. Yeah, love you, all mom. Right love you forever. But, who knows what her perspective was of, of uh, public school in New York City. Right. I'm just a kid following my parents. Um, but with that being said, I went to uh, elementary school in um, Brooklyn. I went to uh, middle school in Queens, IS-119. Um, after that, my mom decided to say, hey, are we moving to Jersey? So we moved to Jersey my freshman year of high school. I went to Cherokee High School in South Jersey. Um, but with that being said, 
My father picked me up every Friday night after work and drove me back to Jersey every Sunday, every Sunday night. So I still had the essence of New York in me because every weekend I'm playing in Gun Hill Tournament. I'm playing in um, Baby Rucker, 145 Linux. Um, so I'm still getting the New York City basketball in me, which I needed I needed that right. in order for me to pursue my dreams. Right, right. So yeah. from high school, like, so how was, the, how was your high school experience in terms of transitioning? I know I had a unique high school experience yeah. where, you know, right before high school, I moved from Chicago to Arizona, which is obviously a cultural shift, yes, as absolutely. they would say. So for you, going from being in Brownsville and, and, and the Bronx and then transitioning into prep school in Jersey, how was that transition for you? Was it, well, was it a culture shock? Was it different? Well, like, when, I went to, when I went to Cherokee, it was a public school, okay. um, but it's predominantly white. Um, okay. so, so that... So that already was a culture shift. Um, I come, I'm an inner city kid going to a suburban high school. Right. Um, so those challenges were different. Being like me and my friend Mike Harry, shout out to Mike Harry. Um, what only two black people on the basketball team, on the freshman team, we first started. Right. So that just say that's I say that to that say this, like, like my experience. <laughs> yeah, which is cool. I mean, all that, all, all everything I've been through made me to the man I am today. But the, the trials and tribulations of going through a high school when it's not that many um, other people that look like you there. Um, it's a lot of challenges as a, as a young kid. If as a kid, if you can't understand them, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So on on the court, yeah. How did that How did that translate? How did that mesh like in terms of your style with coming from like like you said inner city and then transitioning out there? How How did that mesh in terms of on the court? At first, I don't think it meshed at all. You know what I <laughs> mean? I was a showboat. My uncle played for N one. Troy Truesdale, rest in peace. Um, so like. I was just going through the like basically just like making do whatever I, whatever however way I could man just trying to make the team um, I made the freshman team um, mm -hmm. I didn't play as much um, uh, but my love and passion for the game never failed me it's still like okay even though I know it might be politics I can't I'm not gonna give up right. I still went to the gym to get shots up I still worked on my craft right yeah. so now you you also have a unique story. And uh, a lot of basketball players, I tell this too, especially coming from a coaching background, for those that don't know, <laughs> 2014 Junior College National Champions. You can zoom in on that, baby. You see the ring. But you have a JUCO experience as well. Absolutely. So you went from from where you were in high school to West Texas? Well, nah. I need to write a book, man. Like, And I'm happy we're doing this interview because what I think a lot of kids need to know is that it's not one way to go. Exactly. Um, It's not one way to go. It's... Sometimes, man, you might be going, you might, you might think you might be going right, and when you go left, it might work out the best way. Um, but I'm finished with high school. Uh, my freshman year of high school, man, I hated it, man. I'm from, I was from New York City. So when I moved to South Jersey, no lie, man, I had eight classes. I had six Fs. I was just wilding, man, like just being disruptive. So that, that led me to get kicked off the basketball team, which led me to... Um, um, not be eligible to play my sophomore year. My junior year, I played JV. Um, my senior year, I played, I played varsity. Um, I didn't take my SAT. Um, so with that being said, like, I don't know where I was going. I just knew I still love basketball. That's why I always tell kids, take school really, really seriously because um, you don't want to mess up your, your future goals. Exactly. So I didn't take my SAT. Um, my dad being a one of the head honchos in New York City street ball, New York City basketball, he kept his ears to the streets. And um, I was able to 
go to this prep school called Genesis One Christian School, which I which I think saved my life. Um, Genesis, Genesis One Christian School, which is not open to this day, uh, but we play schools like Longburg, IMG. Um, okay. So uh, all the all the major prep schools the, on yeah. that circuit. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and that school changed my life. Uh, so many Division One players came out of that school. So um, that's what really changed. I went to that school for two years, okay. and after that school, I went to JUCO. Okay. Yeah. So when you so the prep school is in Mississippi. It was in Mendenhall, Mississippi. Wow. Yeah, man. <laughs> Mendenhall, wow. Mississippi. So you so you kind of even transitioning from prep school to JUCO, you kind of had an experience with being away from home, being out of the city. I left home when I was 17 years old. And then from there, you go into Texas. So the transition from Mississippi to West Texas, it wasn't that bad, right? Um, It wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as it was for me going to Mississippi. Okay. Um, but I, cause I felt like when I went, when you go to college, you just, it's more people hands on helping you. Right. Like it's just more like dedication towards like your end goals. Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah. So um, at West Texas, uh, they play in one of the bigger, you know, from my experience, they play in one of the bigger conferences um, in the country for junior college basketball. I think Howard, Midland, yeah. a lot of those guys. Odessa. Odessa, they produce yeah. not only really good college players, but a few pros. Like I think Jay Crowder, mm-hmm. um, I think he went to Howard, and mm-hmm. a couple other guys. The whole Texas, the whole Texas, I think, got the best Juco. San oh, Jack, yeah, San Jacinto, the whole top, Tyler. Yeah. All of them, yeah. They they all do do uh, do major things. Mm-hmm. Ranger too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so how was that experience, and what was the competition like? Did you expect it to be like as good as it was, or like you know you being from New York? Well, I, um, I think prep school helped me for that. Um, uh, shout out to Ed Berrios, man, from the Bronx, one of the best point guards I think I ever played against. Mm-hmm. Um, he used to just I used to play against him in practice all the time, mm-hmm. and uh, he he ended up going to UAB. Okay. And um, me praying to practice against him every every day, I think got me better as well. Um, exactly. For Reach Cloy, Gary Flowers, a whole group of people, man, that just didn't crack the league, but still went Division One. Like it's hard to crack that league. Oh, um, definitely. But before we get there, um, but junior college, man, I think definitely. Um, I went in with a mission. Snyder, man, it's probably it's only only thing in that city is a Walmart and a Chicken Express. <laughs> it's nothing in that city, so the only, only thing I had to do was just work on my game. It's JUCO life for you. Absolutely. That's JUCO life for you. I mean, it definitely it definitely tests your love for the game because of mm-hmm. the outside influences. There aren't any. Like, mm-hmm. You either, you hoop. That's what you're there for, so you have all the time in the world to do that and not necessarily get into a lot of the extracurricular activities that other colleges bring. Mm-hmm. So from there... You go to West Texas. How long were you at West Texas? I was there for two years, man. Two years. Um, I'm forgetting the years, but I was there for two years. Let's say 2006 to 2007. Okay. I was there. Yeah, I graduated 2010. And then, yeah. and then from there you transitioned to Ball State. Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana. How yep. was that? Well, first and foremost, I remember when I first signed my letter of intent to go to Ball State. I was extremely excited. That was my league. Right. Like, I finally got my Division One scholarship. I signed it on the dot. Like, from where I come from, like, a lot of people don't make it that far. So when I hit that milestone, to me, I was like, dang, B, like, like you made it. Like, this is what this is what, you, this is what, me and my parents was fighting for. It's free education. And I get to pursue my dreams as well. Oh, man, let's go get it. So this, this is the, you finally, all these trials and tribulations from 
high school in Jersey to prep school to JUCO yeah. and finally get to the Division One level. What was it like? Tell me about your first practice. Like, what was that like? Well, first, first and foremost, I thought I was like Jesus Shuttlesworth for he got game. You know how? He, <laughs> no, seriously, you know how? You know how he went to the court by himself and he yeah. shot the ball. So like, my school was red and white. So I'm like, oh man, is this? It looked just like he got game. <laughs> but um, it was. I went to the gym one time. The lights wasn't even on. I was just in the gym, just. Just, just embracing the ambiance of being at a Division One. We had a dope gym, yeah. like facility was off the chain. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just embracing the moment, so like I was just happy to be there, man. To be honest with you. So you, you walked in smiling. Absolutely, yeah. So how, how different was it from practice, like in a, in a practice environment at that level, as opposed to some of the other levels that you came? I think one is, it's more organized. Um, okay. um, that's probably at the hierarchy of everything. More organized, there's more attention to uh, players. Um, um, the training staff is off the chain. Um, but when it got to the games, you could tell the intensity was definitely at a higher level. Uh, playing Butler, the Butler team that went to the national championship. Oh, the with Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward and yeah, each one. Matt Howard. Yep, Matt Howard. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That was a good team. That was yep. very good. Um, Shelvin Mack. Shelvin Mack. Yeah. Shelvin, Shelvin Mack. Mack was on that team. Yeah, definitely. Um, playing Purdue with Etoile Moore yep. and Robbie Hummel. Um, so definitely just that experience by far to play in Division One basketball. And Indiana is kind of – New York is a basketball mecca, but Indiana yeah. is basketball crazy too. So Absolutely. I, know. I didn't know that going in. They love basketball in Indiana. <laughs> yeah. They love basketball in Indiana. Yeah, they love their basketball. Yes, they do. Yes, definitely they do. been out there. So – so you're you're in Muncie, so like you know, how did the how did your junior year go in comparison with your senior year? Um, uh, well, for a lot of tra- a lot of kids that transfer schools could probably uh, understand what I'm saying. When you when you start off as a freshman, everything's brand new at a school. When you transfer your sophomore year to go to be a junior at another school, you low key start off as a junior again. I mean, sorry, as a freshman again. Yeah, you're starting all over. It's a brand new school. You got to. It's an it's, an, cl- it's that, an adjustment period, and um, you know, we always, from a JUCO perspective, you always try to prepare kids for that adjustment because you don't have four years like the other kids. Yeah, you only had two more left. You got two more left, so yeah. like you got to kind of hit the ground running. Absolutely. So I think I think my junior year, I ain't gonna lie, I treated it like my freshman year. Or you know what I mean, trying to go to all the like parties, trying to have like trying to embrace it because I'm Division One now. Yeah, it's new. So that, yeah. So you celebrate almost. Uh, yep, absolutely. So your senior year, your senior year comes, you graduate, everything, you know, the year finishes out. So in your mind, because there's always this like, for anybody that plays basketball, there's always this time period in which you feel like you're going to the NBA. Everybody feels like they're going to the NBA, especially early on. When When did the mindset change where it's like, yo, good but am I good enough to go to the NBA like mm-hmm. when did you start realizing like yo I don't know what the next move is um probably when I was like I was still trying to I was still trying to graduate so I was still like <laughs> to be honest with you, you know I, mean? I was still like trying to like crack no, down I'm on good. classes <laughs> I was like forget the NBA I'm trying to graduate let's do this Word. first but um but I kind of knew man like my senior year my, my, my stats wasn't really up to par um, I mean, I, I, I definitely still appreciate the opportunity at Ball State. Um, stats wasn't there for me to take it to the professional level yet. Um, I was like everybody else, trying not, 
I was just using my major to see where it would take me, but still not giving up on my dream. Right. Yeah. So from a professional perspective, where did you where did you see yourself going after that? After senior year? Um, I still didn't know yet, man. I still I think everybody goes to this phase it's like one of the most scariest parts in life where you don't know what's coming up next, and um, and you're being pushed out. So right. um, after I graduated from um, Ball State, I ended up coming back home, back to New York City, back to the Bronx. Um, still didn't know what I was gonna do yet, but uh, like I said, man, my father, man, um, always was like, always instilled that confidence in me, like always instilled that confidence into me. He still had hopes for me, right. so I'm like, so I'm like, oh man, all right, cool. I still got not pressure, but like good pressure. Like, okay, I still could go overseas. So um, I just broke out that whole summer, man. I broke out that whole summer playing in uh, playing in New York City uh, uh, pro leagues, pro city. Um, really got my game to the next level, which which I think it, I think it really propelled my game to the next level playing in pro city. Yeah, I think that process aspect. Is, is very important for kids and for people that are going through that because you're focused on the end goal, but the mm-hmm. process part of it is very important to it. So, like, your work habit, your work ethic is what's going to get you to that level yeah. or to whatever level that you belong at. So, you know, stop worrying about the end result more. So, I see you were more focused on the process as opposed to the actual end result. Yeah, man. Um, the process, the process is, is a funny thing. Because you just you just don't know. You gotta have faith. You gotta have hope. You can't. You gotta continue to dream, no matter no matter if you see the dream dwindling. Right. Um. But I used to take my dad. My dad just set me up. I I used to take the train from the Bronx, all the way, all the way to Long Island, man, to work out with Jerry Powell, one of the best trainers in the city. Definitely. I had to be at his gym at eight o'clock. And if you if you if you there late, if you everybody know Jerry Powell. If you there late, let's say eight o two. You getting a handful. You can't be late to his gym <laughs> at all, no matter where you're coming from. You could be coming from Los Angeles. If you're late exactly. to his gym, you're getting it. But just working out with him that summer, um, working on my craft, just being ready for every opportunity. Like my dad made me get my passport, not even knowing what I was doing next. He just said, get your passport. Let's be ready for whatever comes. So when the time comes, you're you ready. Have, you have everything in order. You got everything in line. So Absolutely. You're just worried about the game. Yeah. All right, that's what's up. So um, we've now gotten to the point of the show. It's time to light up, man. I was doing. Let's go. We got a couple cigars on deck. Shout out to my man Nick once again from Blue Smoke. He definitely shows us a lot of love. Really appreciate it. Um, I'm gonna be smoking the Florida Sun Grown. It's a more experienced um, okay. cigar. What I got you here? Are gonna be smoking the? Uh, this is the lot. La Galera? La Galera. La Galera. So the La Galera is a, it's a medium blend, um, so it's a little lighter for you, so it doesn't hit you as hard. I know okay. you prepare for it. Yeah, I'm still an athlete. You're still an athlete. <laughs> you still get prepared for the season. Yeah. Um, and it's also, um, it's got a coffee um, tick to it. So you're going to hit You're gonna hit it, and you may taste a little bit of a... A little bit of coffee taste. And I felt like that fits your personality for me because of the energy that you provide. Okay. Every time Brawley's in a room, for y'all that don't know, <laughs> Brawley provides a certain energy, a certain smile. And we're going to get into that um, when we start, when we talk about the Globetrotters a little bit in his role. Yeah. But um, I just felt like that fits your personality. Thank so you. Gonna, I appreciate it. We're going to light up. Let's do it. You got to light me, man. Light me up, man. 
What Drake say? We're going to make this thing light up. That was like the first how long you been, how long you, how long you been smoking cigars? So I've been smoking cigars um, for about seven years now. Like mm. I entered into I entered into this community like um, from coaching. So like one of my old coaching homies was smoking, and then one of my boy, you know, J- my boy Jerry. Shout yeah. out my man Jerry Sylvester. Get his album if y'all haven't. Still dope. Um, Jerry Fadolo, but his dad is in the military, so he used to bring back cigars and wine from different countries. Oh, dope! So we was at his house one time, and he was like, "Yo, we gonna smoke cigars and we gonna have some wine." And I was like, "Cool." So like, just in that experience, I kind of picked up the habit, and it became cool. And you know, I started smoking with some of my coaching buddies because they smoke too, and you know, it just became almost habit for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's get you lit up. Let's do it. All right. good this is the florida sun grown so i always try to smoke new cigars when i'm at new places and then yeah. um, for you novice cigar people when you enjoy a cigar take the cigar wrapper um off once you get to the bottom of the cigar and then from there keep that in your wallet so you know what you're smoking so next time you go into another cigar lounge you can show them like hey this is what i had last time i really like this so you know an expert can point you in the right direction to either that same cigar or something very similar. But um, let's get back into it a little bit. We we'll celebrate. We we'll celebrate. Definitely, man. Yeah. We definitely celebrate. I'm happy to be here. We celebrating Brawley's tenth year with the Globe Trotters once Absolutely. again. Super proud of them. Um, yeah. So the Globe Trotter thing. How did that come about? Um, rest in peace, Troy Truesdale, New York City legend. Uh, Iona standout. Um. Just, I, only, I only got a good team this year. Yeah, so. it should be good. Um, I was just really blessed, man, just to have a good community of people in the streetball community or in the basketball community in New York City that guided me in the right direction, man. Um, like, I never say I did it myself. It was a village, man. Like, And please excuse me for names I can't say because there's just so many people right. that led me in this direction. But um, uh, James Ryan... Um, um, had to connect to the Globetrotters, uh, and he um, granted me the opportunity to uh, try for the Harlem Globetrotters. Like, who wouldn't want to do that? So I was like, boom. But when this happened, it happened around, like, August. So it was already, I, would, I already had graduated. It was June, July, August, September had probably happened. Okay. September. So still not knowing what's next. Um, went to the trial for the Globetrotters. Um, and from there, the rest was history. Like, the trial was extensive. Um, it was like a five-hour tryout. Wow. We were just hooping the whole time. There like, was people in there that was I knew. Like, was it like runs? Were you going through drills? Literally like, threw the ball up in the air. Tip ball. We just hooping. Like, we just hooping. Um, I didn't know any tricks whatsoever. I was just about to say, like, what was your, like, what was your game like back then? Um, uh, drive to the basket. Um, shifty. Mm-hmm. Had a little handle. Um, and what separated me, because I was already, I was already, I was always a, a slim guy. Mm-hmm. Um, my jump shot, I could always shoot. So that's what separated me, I think, in New York. Because at the time, I think a lot of people in New York couldn't shoot. Nah. So um, yeah, nah, at the time, not, it, was, I mean, it was all about your handle. 
get to the basket. Yeah, so uh, definitely um, my jump shots were separated me to make teams and to make uh, tryouts. So with the with the Globe Trotters, I've watched I've watched you play multiple times. Mm-hmm. Your specialty is the four point shot. Four point shot, yeah. So in terms of that, talk about developing your range as a shooter because mm-hmm. that's a long shot. How long is the four point shot in the? It's thirty feet from the basket. Okay. Yeah. So the NBA three point. They call line. it Steph range. Like now, like little kids know it as you shooting like Steph Curry. Okay. Yeah, but the goal shot I started that line in two thousand ten. Right. So ten years ago, that's that's really why I made the team. Right. So um. So did you go into the tryout knowing knowing this and knowing like this would this would be my lane? Well, well, not really. Um, like honestly, when I tried out, bro, um, the tryout I still didn't make the team. The tryout just led me to go to training camp. Okay. When I'm with the training camp, I'm seeing all these players that you usually see like on TV. I'm like, oh man, like I'm really I, I'm here now. Right. So anyway, um, I'm seeing players with names on their back, and I took this from Tracy McGrady. Um, one time he said he went to ABCD camp, and um, I guess whatever number he had, he mm-hmm. was trying to realize he put the numbers was the rankings. Uh, so he okay. so so he went to camp. He said he just he, kept, like he just moved. Yeah, something yeah. Like yeah. Numbers used to go like the two hundred, but he said his his number wasn't a high number. So he said he just murdered everybody. He just killed everybody, but he didn't know that. But anyway, when I went to Globe Try to um, training camp, um, I saw I saw players with names in their back. Okay. So I was like, I don't got no name on my back. Like, what's up? Like, you see the difference. Like, you know the difference when you in a room. Right, right, right. So I was like, how can I earn a name? So with that being said. They had us hooping in training camp. Um, I was just hooping, man, playing the best I could. I don't think I missed a shot, man, to be honest with you. I was just so mentally ready and physically ready for this opportunity. You was hungry. You was locked in. Yeah, I was really locked in. Um, they ended up firing somebody for me. Um, then I made, I made the team, and uh, my personality was already there, so it went hand in hand. So we, we haven't gone into this just yet, and I didn't want to introduce you with this. Mm-hmm. So you have a nickname. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell people what your nickname is and express to them like why how that how that came about. Well, they call me Cheese, man, because I got a great smile, but I think I got the best smile in the world. That's just for PR. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but honestly, man, like I'm just all like in me, man, is just joy. Like I had a great grandfather, I had a great grandmother, mm-hmm. two great grandfathers. I had two great grandmothers. Had a great mother. Had a great father. I grew up around love. Right. And that love is just in me. And that's all I want to do is spread around the world, just love and joy. So, like, with my personality, like, don't get me wrong, like, I'm still, like, I'm still me, like, I'm still, I'm still from New York. But I think we gotta, in order for, in order for us to break the chain, we gotta start somewhere. Like, when I see it, when I see my other brother walking down the street, I want to pay homage to him. If I see my other, if I see my brothers winning, I want to tell them thank you. I want to tell them um, congratulations. I want to say thank you. Like, I want to just be that person. I mean, I, I only got one life. But they call me cheesy because I got a good smile. And shout out to my moms. Um, she got me braces when I was like in like my senior year of high school. Imagine getting braces your senior year of high school. Get braces, kids. Well, I had got braces a long them. time ago. Your parents, if they can afford yeah. them, get them. Um, yeah. So with that being said, man, I just try, try to stay positive, man. That's all it is with me. Exactly. Positive energy only. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. explain to me like the adjustment. Because there's always an adjustment for Harlem Globetrotters. Or even like from... Traditional basketball to street ball. Yeah. So you having a transition from a guy that, 
You're playing Division One basketball. You have these lofty goals for yourself, and you're now transitioning into more entertainment-based basketball because the Globetrotters, I mean, it's about winning, obviously, too, but more so about entertaining the crowd. Yes. So how did that transition go from you playing serious, organized basketball to more of an entertainment aspect? Um, for me, uh, it wasn't that big of an adjustment because I already, I mean, God had blessed me already with just these intricate skills as far as this already being a showman. Okay. Um, when I was young, man, I, I used to take acting classes. I was in plays and stuff when I was young. Um, so with me, I'm like me being a positive dude, I'm always trying to find like, okay, how can I win this way? Like, okay, I'm already, I'm in this lane. It's about knowing like your lane and okay, being creative, Mm -hmm. like any other creative, it could be for music, but just finding how to be creative within this lane. So I was like, okay, cool. Oh, I got to make a personality. Okay. I created a personality. Um, but still kept my basketball like foundation, like my fundamental skills, and that's what the Globe Trotters are. Like it's not just show like Will Chamberlain. Like it's so many. If you don't know the Globe Trotters, do your history. Like so much history, Black history, it's all in that. But like just the personality was there. Like that's why some people that they can't, they, some people can't make the transition because just of that. They just they just want to play strictly basketball, which is fine. That's your choice. And this is my choice, but it's definitely like being able to make somebody, to entertain somebody, and to give them great basketball is challenging, man. It's very important. Like, yeah. I mean, it's why dudes get sneaker deals. Like, even NBA yeah. guys, like, because of their personality. Yeah, Kyrie Irving is—he's entertaining. He's right. a great player, but he's also entertaining. Right. So, like, the, the entertaining aspect does sell. If you w- if you want to talk NBA players, I would say like. Globe try to ish NBA players would be like Shaquille O'Neal. Okay. You see how Shaquille O'Neal was on camera? Yeah, when he, he scored a left hand layup, he coming down but, with the But left look at leg. the brands he associates himself with. Icy Hot. Yes. He getting so many endorsement deals because of his personality. He's great at basketball. He's a Hall of Famer. Yes. But his personality is what puts him over the top, just a little bit over the top right. than everybody else. So in that, is there, um, are there classes, are there things that you go through um, that you take, like when you become a Globe Trotter that – Puts the inter- that stresses the entertainment and the branding aspect of things. Um, uh, I would just say shout out to the teammates. It's more like a of a teaching culture okay. within within players. Okay. The players kind of teach you uh, the ins and outs, um, the industry. They teach you the industry of being in that industry. Um, uh, didn't take any classes, man. I came out. I was just raw, just raw, just kind of just stayed on my foundation of basketball. I just felt like if I stayed on my foundation of basketball, that I can't go wrong. Everything else is just gravy. It's just extra. I can just learn the rest. Okay. So I just did that. Um, I always was good on camera. Um, so that led me to have, just be more valuable, being able to talk on camera, talk, uh, be able to do shows like Good Morning America, Today's Show. Yeah, I was just about to bring yeah. that up. Um, in that sense, I feel like you've become one of the more marketable um, globetrotters in that yeah. sense. It's like I see you doing a lot of their their PR stuff. So you're all doing the Good Good Morning America and you're doing the different um, shows and, you know, the different fan reach out mm-hmm. um, elements to that. Do you, how do you feel like your personality has paid off um, for that? Well, and, and what, and what do you see, what do you think that that's actually branded you into maybe career, career going forward? Um, I take it back to the grassroots, the grassroots again, man. Just like my tryout for the Globe Trotters, I think everything 
first impression is the best impression. Um, so everything I try to put my, my stamp on, I try to make sure it's my best self. Right. So like if I'm on a, if I'm on a TV show, if I'm talking to a school, a school with a group of kids or, or a children's hospital, I'm just trying to just talk from the heart, talk the truth. That's all I know. It's just talk from the heart and just give my best self. You know what I mean? So it's natural for you. It is. It is not. Is it? I don't like. It's weird. Like it, I guess it is natural, but, but, it's not easy. No. Yeah. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Because you're yeah. not. I mean, we're none of us are the same person or the exact same way every day. Right. Like so. Like, but your personality allows you to be like, hey, we're gonna bring Brawley to do this event. Now, in terms of career-wise, though, yeah. like. In learning some of these things about yourself, what have you seen like that's gonna help you in the next chapter of life? Um, just being able to, um, uh, just being, um, just I think, I think in in the industry, man, you gotta know who you are, um, or you could get lost. I feel like you have to you have to know yourself, always know where you came from, um, exactly. and I think all of that breeds confidence. So it's like me not wanting to let like my ancestors down, me wanting to push forward into whatever I do. Um, that's why I, I guess that's where I get my confidence from, um, and just knowing your talents and not and just believing in yourself. Like it sounds it sounds so cliche, but it's but it's so real, man. Like like literally, you all you got, and like no matter what nobody else say, if you don't push the button, the button not gonna get pressed. So I just, I think with me with my next chapters is just about just just I think with me I would just want to do something I love like that like I'm doing now. I wouldn't want to transition to nothing else other than if I don't love it then I don't think I'm gonna be able to um be my best self. Word, word. Yeah. So you you ten years into the Globe yeah. Trotters now and yeah. um what I've also noticed is that you've been doing some modeling. Yeah, absolutely. Got to man. Got to use what you got, man. <laughs> <laughs> how did you get How did you get into modeling? Um. I mean, I got into it because the Globe Trials had the Globe Trials had a fashion show with Angela Simmons, okay. um, and um, that whole experience kind of opened my eyes to like, oh, this is work. Oh, I could do this. What? I guess it's got it just gave me it, it just opened my eyes to the fact of like if I, just, I want like stuff that doesn't feel like work, I love man because like you just you get a check and you're just not working. You're working, but it doesn't feel like it. Right. Like this podcast right now. Exactly. Like this is like, like this doesn't feel like work. This to is us. natural. This is natural. This is a, this is a conversation natural. with cameras and and that's why and I like computer. Exactly. So yeah. it's all about just that. But I always love clothes, man. Like just that's what New York City is about. You know what I mean? Being uptown, being in Harlem, being in the Bronx. It's about being fly every day. Exactly. Um, but it doesn't mean it doesn't make you who you are. It's just just our culture, man. The hip hop right. culture. Right. Yeah. So you've done in fashion. You've done New York Fashion Week. Yes. How many years have you been been involved or done something in, in that in that room? Um, in Fashion Week, I did I did twice. Okay. Um, uh, and I just work with brands now, just collaborating with brands, um, and brands that I like, brands of my choice. Right. Like, um, brands that kind of fit your style. Absolutely. So so Definitely. it can just be more natural, and and I'm not I'm really not big on like just being something I'm not. Exactly. So like. And we're in an era now where you kind of create your own content. So if I'm able to work with a brand that kind of fits like me, cool. Like I'm not going like, like 
dye my hair. Like that's not me. Like that's that's another lane. Yeah, that's not right. something that you're going to to partake in. You want to you want to stay consistent with yourself and and what you've been building. So over my the last so my message can stay kind of like level. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's dope, man. Thank you. Um, so from a fashion perspective, mm-hmm. we uh we do a segment okay. on the on the podcast when we were about to wrap up. We do a segment called Top Five. Okay. So you you coming from like a basketball perspective as well as like a fashion modeling perspective, you're gonna have to do two. Oh, and I don't and I never give nobody any heads up about this before they listen to the podcast. So I just I'm I just ready. go into it. So all right. First before you ask me, I'm gonna say please forgive me because I couldn't prep, but I'm gonna come off the top of my head with some fast stuff. That's what we looking Let's for. Let's do it. We looking for. All right. Let's do it. So, top five designers that you like to wear. Oh, good question. Um, I would say I'm one. No, 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 no. That's a good question. I would say one. I would say one custom. Okay. You can never go wrong with custom. And. If I had to pick one, that's a good question. Um, um, I like um, oh man, I'm forgetting his name. Um, black dude, he make all the suits. Um, F E R E. Um, what dude name? I'm forgetting his name. He make um blue black dude. He make um. World Wide World. No, not World Wide World. He make all the custom suits for all the, all the athletes now, with the with the lapels, the big lapels. Oh, da- uh, Dapper Dan. Not Dapper Dan. Uh, David um, first name is David. Ah. Shoot. No, I'm stumped. We see we got good thing we're a podcast. We have a computer. Absolutely, bring it up. In front of us. Bring it up. Let's see what we come up with. Yeah, my phone. Oh, nothing's coming up. Nothing's coming up. Um, not Alan David. Nah. Um, I don't know why I'm forgetting his name right now. All right, we'll we'll get back. We'll get back yeah. to fashion. All right, basketball players out of New York City. Now, that's mm-hmm. a tough conversation to have just because there's so many legends out of the city. In different we'll, eras. In different eras. Yeah. So what we'll reduce it to is we'll reduce it to the last, let's say, 25 years. Yeah. In the era, era that we remember where we was outside, we was actually watching the players, or we played against them, or, or whatever. Who would you say would be your top five New York City players that you've seen? Um, my era was Sebastian Telfair. Um, but he was just... Cold. That was he the was first nice. dude like I was like on the internet watching because that was early yeah. internet days like when Bassey and LeBron was coming up where it was just like yo yeah that was just that was it um, and I'm just gonna talk era okay um, New York City like like Agasosa was nice um, yeah. I played with him and Dykeman mm-hmm. um, um, shout out Dykeman man um, spent a lot of time there this summer other than that like you got Dewan Wagner that era he's not from New York but he's from Canada New Jersey yeah. but he was nice. DeJuan Wagner. Scoring 100 um, points in a game. That's yeah, crazy. Um, High school game. Man, it's a handful. Um, so you got Edgar Sosa, you got Sebastian Telfair, you got DeJuan Wagner. We need yeah. two more. Um, but DeJuan Wagner from New York. So um, 
We're gonna include Dewan in that conversation though, cause he's 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 nasty. He's tough. Um, his son is in high school now, by the way. Yeah, I'll say around that era, man. Like, um, he had Tony Pena. He was nice. Antonio Pena with the Villanova. Um, um, who else I played against? Um, I played with. You got Rob Thomas. Um, he went to St. John's. They used to call him Poison. Um, who else? It's a lot of dudes. There's so many players, man. It's a lot of dudes. Yeah, so many players, bro. Well, this is usually where we, we get out of here, man. Um, okay. I appreciate you, brother. Thank no, you. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me, Thank man. you for coming on, doing, doing this episode with us at Cigars mm-hmm. in the City. Guys, I'm so happy to be back in New York. Um, I'm living here full time now, so you'll see live podcasts, visuals, audio, everything you want um, from this this brand. Shout out to all the people that have helped me out. Shout out my man Rich with Let's Shoot TV. Shout out my man Sean Lyles, best photographer I know. Shout out my man Nick. He's in the building, owner. Blue Smoke Cigar Lounge. Please, please come through, show love. You know, they got a wide range of cigars, uh, great times, beautiful people. Everybody's engaging. They show you love. They do a game night on Tuesdays. So if any of y'all is nice at space, I suggest coming through. Um, I'll be here. I'll be cracking heads. So just so y'all know. But that's our time, man. We wrapping it up. Thank you. Peace out. Peace and love.